1: Hi everyone, and welcome to this special edition of the Green Street Hammers podcast. Uh, in this one, I'm going to have a proper deep dive into what makes West Ham's recruitment structure their structure, uh, how it compares to some of the other clubs, and what we could do going forward to improve it. Uh, now... I know that most of you are probably screaming at uh, whatever you're listening to this on that we don't really have one, uh, that the board have lost it all and uh, there's nothing we can really do to save it. But we're going to start right down the basics. What makes a good structure? Well, to be honest, that depends on the club. Uh, If you're someone like Real Madrid, you've got this big idea that you can sign pretty much anyone on the planet and it doesn't really matter what kind of price tag that is. So, I mean, they have a huge uh, weighting on to what's going to bring them revenue. So they like to bring in Brazilian players uh, where they're going to get a lot of new fan base, uh, something, you know, shirt sales and that kind of thing. I mean, you're starting to see uh, Man United try and pick up these big players as well to bring in uh, revenues after Ferguson left there because they're not winning quite as much. So, I mean, the Pogba move monetarily, probably not. The best thing in terms of uh, you know the quality of player they're bringing in, it's paid a lot. But the revenue he brings in just through media, uh, the advertising is crazy. So I mean, and they they seem to be throwing a lot of money Jordan Sancho's way. He's going to be a world star in the future, and they need to try and make sure they have that kind of player. Uh, I mean, on other big clubs, uh, Barcelona, they're trying really emphasise a culture, uh, like a certain way of playing football through the entire club. Uh, that's come into a little bit of a harsh reality in the recent years and especially now with the Messi saga but you can expect them to go back to the way they would be going because it's worked for years and years uh, and that's the way that they do it uh, in terms of more comparable clubs uh, you know, got people like Southampton uh, they really look at young players uh, British players they tend to focus on but they're going for Players that can really grow into the first team um, or potentially if they reach their full full potential, they have a huge resale value. Uh, and they are a traditional selling club, uh, but they are still in the Premier League. They finished well above us last year and they seem to be making a decent go of everything. Uh, I mean, the same for Leicester. Uh, last few years, they've sold, uh, I think it was... they paid 17.4 million for players and they've sold them for over 200 million and the last three years they've got more points each year Uh, so you can sell and still improve your club as long as you reinvest correctly and they seem to be bringing in players with real strong work ethics uh, capable of extending into the first team um, from the first season when you've got players like or that we were in for like James Madison who's Really, just slotted in there, and he's going to be worth far more when they sell him on than uh, the ones uh, the price that they paid for him. And that's that's just club business for a, stat, a club the size of Leicester. So, for these clubs, the thing that really has they have in common is they have a clear vision with a purpose, and that clear vision with purpose lasts for more than one season. So, even if that transfer window doesn't go to plan, they can't quite pick up the players they want. It means that they stick with it. They know what they're doing in the next one, and they know that if they keep on doing what they're doing, it will be successful. And I just don't think that really happens at West Ham. I mean, these whole clubs are designed around it. They have this you know, the scouting, the coaching staff, the board, or the transfer negotiation people are all on the same page. Um, and you have uh, clubs trying to avoid manager chop and changes uh, being into. In, integrated into that so uh, directors of football are becoming more and more popular Uh, by doing that you mean when you change the manager the recruitment structure doesn't change I mean the manager might say okay I really want someone like this but it's then up to the director of football to decide whether that's a priority or if that actually goes ahead Um, I mean you've got different ways of doing it again I mean I think Everton said something Uh, In the last few years, they have uh, over 300 scouts in the UK that report to them. I mean, not necessarily exclusively, but they have a lot of feet on the ground in these places where they can find out about new people. Um, A lot of clubs now are tending towards video and data analysis uh, because it's very available. It's far more effective. And if you trust three or four people, they can cover a lot of leagues and a lot of exceptional players. In theory, if they have all the data and all the video. Uh, and then they get either freelance scouts or they fly them out there to uh, look at the certain players in matches that they think are going to be representative. Um, so it's not like there's one right answer. Um, and I mean, if we look at West Ham a bit more now, so historically we love the youth. I mean, we are a really uh, an academy-focused club when we look at it historically. Uh, I mean, and that in itself requires a fairly large youth scouting network. We need to know where these players are coming from, uh, the best ones from in the area, and if we can encourage them to start their careers with us. Uh, it's, it also really helped that for a long period of time we had very stable managerial ranks we didn't have much chop and change and that meant if you were a youth player uh, and you started at the club at 17 and if you were there for the next five years you still had the same manager or you only had one managerial change uh, if you were a youth club player that started under Slab and Bilic in the last five six years you've had three managers and uh, one extra change you've, I mean you've gone from Billich to Moyes to Pellegrini to Moyes again There's a lot of different things that come with that, and it's not particularly conducive to bringing youth players through. And since the new board came in, they've decided they're going to be a lot more involved. So this can be good or bad, um, but with the current board, that means they seem to be placing a lot more reliance on agents, um, general personal relationships, relationships, I mean, we've talked about or we heard about in the the lead up to this transfer window that we might be going for Ben Rama because the the Sullivans, the younger two, uh, enjoyed getting drunk with uh, Ben Rama's agent in Malaga. I mean, that doesn't really seem like the best way to choose between a couple of different uh, prospects. But either way, uh, we did have a slight change when Pellegrini came in. Uh, because he brought in uh, Huzilios, uh as uh, director of football then and it looked like they were going to be in charge or remain focus at least and it, you, I mean on that first year we, th- we thought he'd done quite well uh, but I mean there's still some weird aspects because when they were in both their sons were also in the scouting network and are they the best players or best people for the job who knows it's hard to see past the fact that they just seem to follow their fathers around for jobs and that's not really what we're after if we're looking to progress as a football club in general um, I mean and when Pellegrini left apparently we were left with only one scout and um, we use a uh, piece of software called Scout, uh, uh, which is, again is used by a lot of the top clubs but it, it it was a big change for us. I mean, if you consider what I was saying earlier about us being youth-focused, with a lot of people on the ground uh, in local areas, it, it's a big change. And the the re- the reasoning behind using stuff like this is well, new, with permit laws for stuff like Argentina or uh, outside of Europe, you can only bring in exceptional players. So you have to. There's no point knowing all of the players in Argentina if you can only bring in an exceptional one due to permit laws. And with Brexit coming up as a final thing, there's going to be some changes to that. And it's likely to become harder to... or uh, more restrictions on the foreign players playing in the Premier League. Um, But we have seen, again, another change where Moyes has come in. He's really wanted to be a bit more hands-on he's done a bit more of the scouting himself with his team and again first first transfer window in January uh, Bowen, Suchek and Randolph uh, Randolph was obviously a favorite West Ham and uh, we knew what he was about but with Bowen and Suchek they seem to be more of a fit and I think that's really the key for going forward but right now we just seem so over, all over the place, and now we're being told that we need to sell to buy. How is that likely to really? How is that likely to really impact us? Are we going to be seeing another season where we don't really progress with any kind of vision? Um, so what is it? what is West Ham's vision with the transfer window? I'm um, just going to take a short break, uh, and after that we're going to go through that. We're going to look at uh, a few previous seasons and. Can we spot what the plan is? For West Ham fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. For match highlights, interviews, and the best West Ham videos and podcasts, download the free C O Y Irons app now from the App Store and Google Play. Okay, and welcome back to the Green Street Hammers podcast. Um, Now we're going to go through um, different seasons uh, and their transfer impact on the squad. Uh, We're going to go back all the way if you can cast your mind back this far, uh, to Slam and Village's first season. Uh, everything back then seemed quite hopeful. Uh, we had a Europa qualifying campaign ahead of us last season at the Bolin, and at the time, a very potentially exciting move uh, before we found out we'd been lied to. Um, so if we go back to that point, we made some very key signings in that summer, uh, we signed the likes of Payet, obviously, Lanzini, Ombona, uh, also Antonio Obian. These were designed to come in, impact the first team. And if even if they weren't uh, going to be first 11 names every week, so likes of Antonio Obian, they were going to push the players in the first team. They were going to make it harder for them to just relax and think, no one's going to challenge me. These were good signings. Right? Straight away, very good signings. Change signings for the first team. This seemed a very good window. I mean, on top of that, we also brought in the likes of uh, Byram uh, Hendry during the season. Uh, these are younger players, potential to move up into the first team, we hoped. I mean, it didn't work out that way, but we could see what was going on. We, we bought them with the express purpose they were young, they could improve, and they would either be resold at higher value or be part of the first team. Uh, and There were also loan moves. Uh, Moses was very useful throughout the season. Uh, I mean, Paya talked about him in very glowing terms. Uh, less glowing about m and EK, But again, he was designed to come in and try and be a striker because even during that final season, we struggled for a consistent striker. We Sacco didn't score as many as the year before. Carroll was in and out because it's Carroll um, and that kind of thing. It's a lot All those moves were made with an express purpose. And we even ended up selling throughout the season uh, Downing, Jarvis, Sarate, these players that were kind of on the edge of the squad, maybe a bit older, and it looked like the squad was moving in the right direction. Uh, That's great. You know, buy impactful first-team players, young players coming in, selling those who are past their usefulness, really, for the side. Next year is when, again, we start to lose this idea of a vision. The idea that things actually have a plan about them. Um, we tried to bulk out the, the squad, um, but without any real direction. Um, so we had, we thought, a Europa, uh, a Europa uh, campaign coming up. We thought, okay, we'll be we able to focus on both because you know we'll get a bigger squad in, Payet's there. Uh, but you know, Ayu was brought in as a striker. He's not really a striker. Uh, I think we were getting ourselves when we were told us, you know, when we were told that he was going to be. Uh, he's a winger. Uh, he's an inside forward, and he will get goals, but not as a solo striker up top. So we spent money there that wasn't really the most effective. And then we had to bring in Masuaku because Cresswell suffered a pretty serious injury in pre-season. Um, but they're the only ones that I really felt. Like we we spent money on to get in for the first team. Then you have players like Fernandez and Fletcher. They were youth potential. I think again, I'm I'm always going to be uh, supportive of buying players that are young and can either grow into the first team or be moved on uh, at a decent value. Uh, there's certainly no shame in buying players to think that they will get you more money back in future years or some usefulness. But then there were players like Arbola, Figuli, Nordvite, all three moves uh, to help Bolt squad. I think that we also got, got Cantore in, like a loan deal. It was, it didn't seem as precise. They didn't. We didn't feel like we'd gone out and gone, we need four or five players of genuine quality to improve the team or even to go, these are the areas that we really need it. And we kind of gone, well, who's free? Who's available? Uh, Who does Bilic know? And we'll go from there. Uh, It was very... It just felt loose. It didn't feel as compact as the season before. Uh, And then, obviously, when Pyatt left, there was no plan. We didn't have someone to come in. uh, The idea there that we hadn't considered Pyatt leaving was... Ridiculous, because he had made noises about it before the the summer when he had had a great um, international uh, campaign with France. It's you have to prepare for someone like that leaving, because even if you don't want him to, if he leaves, that is absolutely catastrophic to the squad. And there was no plan. And I think that for me is one of the clearest examples that there is no real vision or forward planning at West Ham. Um, and we skip again, again to the next season 17-18 um, we had uh, you know, Arnautovic came in I think that we can all agree was a solid buy at the time uh, he came in, he was a great scorer for us uh, obviously he, again we had the unfortunate thing of him demanding to leave because that's the kind of player he is but again we didn't seem to, to think about that when we bought him we thought all, all issues would be solved uh, there are mixed feelings around like Chicharito. I think Hernandez is a very good finisher, he's a poacher, but he isn't the kind of player that we can really deal with in our system. Uh, we've always, I mean, during the modern game, we've kind of dealt with a single striker uh, in order to try and keep the ball in midfield. He can't function that well in the system His best moments for West Ham was when he's in the box, getting on the end of corners, and he's a a definite two-striker system uh, player. And again, that didn't seem to be the accountability there, the idea that we would actually play both of them together or um, up top, not with Arnautovic out left and Chicharito up top. We need to play two people up top if we really want Chicharito to be successful. Uh, in other moves that season, I mean, we got Hart in on loan. I mean, a very good player in his time, but at that point, he had been absolutely shot of confidence. Um, and I don't think that was a great decision. Um, and We sold a lot of players and over the year, we sold Ayu, uh, Sacco, Nordvite, Fletcher, Randolph, Fonte, Valencia, Faguli. That's a lot of players. We've just suddenly decided aren't up to scratch. And that is both a reflection on our previous uh, campaign's uh, transfer and the way that we were thinking about players. We're thinking, okay, if they're not useful now, we'll just get rid of them. Uh, there was no, how can we make the squad useful? Or is there someone we can bring in that really connects the dots? There wasn't this, what have we got? Uh, how can we use it? It's a, oh, that didn't work. Off they go. Uh, there's no long-term plan. Uh, and then in January we signed Jordan Hugill and that's I mean I will feel really sorry for the guy because he was bought with this idea that we would be relegated and he would be useful in the championship um, uh, so he never got games for West Ham, he's uh, potentially sold, or he was sent, potentially signed again because we knew his agent you know, or so David Moyes' brother was connected to it And it's there's a lot of weird deals that go along with West Ham and It doesn't seem to fit. So when we get round to Pellegrini, again we see first season with a new manager and things really come along and seem to be done right. So we had some really good value buyers in this uh, window. So we had Fabianski, Balbuena. It seemed like Fredericks and Perez were going to be very good as well. Fredericks has had mixed form. Perez never really uh, Gerald at the side again, a very good finisher, but was he the right type of striker? Hard. Uh, we had some big marquee purchases like Anderson, Yarmolenko, both pacey wingers. Yarmolenko is a bit of a stretch, like a bit of a stretch for that val- price because he had injuries and he's coming towards the sort of the decline of his career. But then like you had Diop, which was I think just a, a great buy. He's a very talented player, but also. I mean, we spent 20-odd million on him, but the season after we were talking about him potentially being sold to United for 50 million. That's the kind of buy that you should be looking at. Someone that you can just go, bang, we're going to buy him. We think he we can be a centre-back centre for us for years to come. But if we need to sell someone, he could be a huge value to resale. And that's just good business all around. Uh, we had some cheap gambles as well in the, the, that that year with Wilshire and Sanchez. Again, didn't work out, but cheap. And I mean, Wilshire's wages aren't cheap, but these are the kind of things that you have to try and gamble on if you want to try and progress the club. So I think for this this season again was good. Had a good vision. Um, and then we got round to 1920, the summer last year. Haller for now again on the headlines. Halle he scored like a goal every other game in Frankfurt and Utrecht. It's um, we're looking at a player here that is a good striker in a two striker system. So we've kind of gone on the stats and spent big money and then end up not playing him the right way. Is that a disconnect between uh, the people making the transfer decisions and Pellegrini? Um, I don't know, but then we have players like Fornauz. Again, I think he could turn out to be an idea like Diop, uh, someone with buckets of potential. We got him at uh, a time where he was starting to emerge himself as this uh, potential linchpin in Spain's younger sides. It might have taken a bit of a stall over the year, but I think we can hope that he does retain that kind of potential value moving forward. Um, I thought um, Alvaro Nagetti was a good signing he had good stats uh, for Basel in European competitions, Uh, he's young again, someone who's probably quite good in a two striker system Um, but it just didn't gel, I don't know why Uh, maybe if we'd had more time a different manager, I don't know Uh, but there were some seemingly good buyers that um, have turned into poor decisions. Uh, The fact that we've sold Ejetti and at a loss is, I just think that's really poor management, uh, as in business management. Um, Also last year we signed Roberto Martin as free cover. I mean, Roberto's thankfully left, but we're still paying some of his wages. So that just seems a very poor decision all around. Um, But we lost a lot of our squad so like um, Chicharito Anatovic, Fernandes, Obiang, Perez, Oxford, Byram, Carroll all left last year that is a huge chunk of squad and I think people underestimate how much getting rid of that kind of weight of player can do to a squad and it doesn't seem that strange looking back at this year now that we struggled for togetherness at times like I don't know how, I, I mean, I know Carol was fairly um, chummy with a lot, all the West Ham guys. He's a character around the squad, and it's just maybe we lost a few too many of these. Um, but either way, that's done. And then obviously, before the end of the year, Pellegrini was out. Um, and in uh, January, Moyes and his team targeted few players they needed to work out uh, to get the squad back into shape and they were Bowen, Suchek, and another goalkeeper in the form of Randolph. Now, I think this is a like first time since maybe Bilic at the start of uh, his uh, reign that we went, okay, these are the areas we need, and we're going to go and get players that really fit our squad. Not just going to get good players, because I still think that uh, Yarmolenko, Anderson, Allaire, we've just gone... Cool, they're good players in those positions. We haven't gone. Do they fit our squad? Suchek has taken to the squad like a duck to water, and Bowen really looks like he's working well with everyone at the front. And that is a huge bonus. When you can sign players that really fit the mould you already have, or the mould you're looking to move towards, that's where you're going to make both money on your signings and good football decisions. Suchek is proper box-to-box. He gets on the end of uh, crosses and he helps Bryce uh, be a physical presence in the middle. So when you're looking at that kind of signing in January, you're wondering why on earth we're not doing it. Well, reportedly, uh, Moyes took a lot into his own hands and with his team did a lot of the scouting personally. Now, if the manager is involved in the decisions, I think as long as it's done correctly... It's a massive boost because then they're turning around going, I need this kind of player to fit into the system, and they're going and getting. Uh, So I think uh, if we're going to look at this transfer window, what do we do next? Uh, Who is moist targeting? I'm worried about the lack of noise out of the club on a concrete target rather than the oh, we're interested in this player, we're interested in that player, and then they go to other player, uh, other clubs sorry, and we don't hear any more about it or we don't hear, okay, that's not that's not too much of an issue because we're really focusing on this. This sell-to-buy mentality is worrying and I genuinely am concerned about where the club's vision is taking us. So in, uh, in after this short break, uh, we're going to come back and think about what we could do to really correct West Ham for the future years. Hi and welcome back to the final section of this special podcast. Um, So we're going to be talking about what we could do this transfer window and how we can really focus going forward to get the club into a rhythm where we're not just buying players and hoping that that's going to be the thing that takes us to the next level um, just on a whim. Uh, So for me... Uh, It's a real shame that we're in this uh, sell-to-buy situation because I can't see many other clubs struggling the way we are. Uh, I don't know if this is because of poor transfer decisions over previous windows where we're still paying for things or we've overextended ourselves wage-wise, but it's tough when you see uh, clubs like Leeds who have just been promoted um, making signings for 20-plus million or... You know, these are the kind of things that it shouldn't be tough for a club with a fan base such as ours uh, and Premier League uh, survival for the last... uh, Well, we haven't been relegated, so why should we be worrying about finances uh, in that regard? I know, obviously, COVID's had an impact, but it should have an equal impact on most teams, and it doesn't seem to be the case. So... If we got a sell player, my gut feeling is still for Anderson to be sold. I think he's a, I think he's a good player. I'm not sure he was worth the money we paid for him, and I think the wages he's on is probably a bit too high for his ability. I also think we have enough cover to play in a variety of different ways if he were to leave and not be directly replaced. Uh, there's. Um, obviously Diangana's come back uh, we're going to have players around like uh, Nathan Holland I still think deserves a chance around the first team um, uh played out there capably um, on the left and I, I think that even if we weren't to replace him we would be in a decent, decent position so he would be my player to go and I don't know how much money that would leave us with but I still think if we were to sell them, there are other areas we need to focus on so I don't think anyone can turn around and tell me that our fullbacks are good enough for the Premier League uh, especially at left back um, I saw a stat earlier that said Aaron Cresswell has um, had more touches in the final third than any other West Ham player uh, which you know you're going, okay, cool, nice attacking fullback stats. But when you see he's got zero assists for the year, that's probably just showing that he's up there holding the ball for a bit too long and then doing absolutely nothing with it. Um, And defensively, he leaves a lot to be desired. Uh, He's definitely lost pace over the last couple of years and his willingness to tackle was completely and utterly shattered uh, by that leg break um, in Slavin Bilic's second year. It's, uh, again things that happen and I don't dislike him for the way it's happened uh, because he certainly looked the part when he came up from Ipswich but it's, that's the fact we can't get that player back um, unless he's gone through some hypnotherapy over the summer and that's just it, we need someone to either challenge him, I I wouldn't be too hideously opposed to him being the understudy with uh, Masawaku fighting for a a left wing role Um, but I think there are a number of good-value left-backs to be had out there. Um, I wrote an article earlier, uh, just before the window started, um, I would really love to see uh, Max Clark. Uh, he currently plays uh, in uh, the Dutch First Division with Vitesse. Um, he's English. And he is genuinely a potential diamond in the rough uh, someone who could um, grow with the standard of football I think he's got a very solid technique on that left side and defensively he he does his job he doesn't uh, get caught out too often and you certainly if you were to watch some of his matches you can see the positioning ability when compared to uh, Cresswell where we've had to watch him just be caught out by every single winger he's played against uh, it would certainly be a good punt for my money and with uh, Transfer Mart, uh valuing him at under a million it's I don't see how we would be paying too much for him uh, I mean one of my other options in that article I wrote was Anthony Robinson uh, who's uh, joined Fulham for two million um, but he has some injury issues so I can see why there's potential worry there uh, Max Clark no such issues and I think he would very much uh, jump at the chance to play uh, back in the UK uh, with um, in the Premier League. Uh, I don't see that that's a poor option. There are also other options. Uh, Calvin Verdonk, uh, he is currently a free agent, uh, used to play for Feyenoord. Uh, was out at FC20 on loan last season. Uh, he's been linked with a move to, uh, I think, it's a Panathinaikos in Greece. Um, just on a free. Uh, these are the kind of things that, if they're free players and you know they've had decent careers up to now, I don't see how that's a bad shot. Um, he's uh, say so these are kind of players that West Ham can take a chance on. Um, hope that uh, at the very least he gives us depth in that area. He's 23 years old, so he's not, he's not reached the peak of his career and declining. He's someone who could grow into the team or, as I said before, have that resale value. Because we have still never sold a player for more than 25 million. And yet people still complain about us being a selling club. We're not a selling club. We hold on to players when we should sell, and we just end up drifting. We end up in this kind of limbo state where we never progress as a club because there's no plan to reinvest the money we get. So we don't want to sell. As I said, Leicester, each year, they lose a key player. But for the last three years, they have been progressing because they've got plans. They've got players that they want to replace them with, and they have players that they want to get in to improve their squad. And that is the way that, given that we are not a financial juggernaut, the likes of the Champions League clubs are, that is the way we have to progress. We have to accept that some of these players are going to be leaving. But right now, can you honestly tell me that if we sold Declan Rice the board or whoever is involved with our transfers has a plan to replace him or improve the squad because that's the reason I don't want to sell Declan Rice. I think Declan Rice's value is this season or the end of the season is probably about the peak we're going to try and get for him. So we if we had a plan, I'd say, okay, this guy wants to go on and be ambitious. Fine, sell him at a very good price and bring players in. But we have no plan. We really don't. Um, I mean, and if we're looking back at defensive uh, strengthenings, we've been talking about getting Duffy in, but there's been no real movement. He wants to move to Celtic. I think someone like that would be great for us because he brings that experience, that leadership into the central areas. Again, something we've been missing. We've really just leaked goals because there's been no communication. We've kind of scrambled defensively at times. And... <sighs> I don't like the idea of always having to get these plug gaps. I, you know, Duffy again is an older player, we're gonna be picking him up as a, you know not for a particularly long period of time going forward or all of that resale value. But he does a job and he's very good in the air, he will help us and he's likely to be able to help someone like Diop become the player that we want him to be. So there is that kind of change from just focusing on the younger players or technical players, uh, which I'll get to in a second, but we need to have a clear idea that these aren't the be and end or the only thing we can do. So, so this transfer window for me is about ensuring that we don't struggle next year, uh, struggle the same way, because you can struggle two years in a row, but if you end up making the same mistakes two years in a row, that's, that's criminal. At this level, and we will be found out for it. Um, So, moving forward, uh, how can we take this club back to a way where we know what kind of thing is going to be happening each year? I think the board have to take a step back. The board have proven they are not football players, they are not football people. Uh, they are making decisions based on things that aren't good for the football footballing side of the club or the business side of the club. They're kind of blending the both, and they're ending up in this nowhere zone that leaves us not competing with the teams we want to. Um, we can't be making decisions based on agent connections and the like. Um, <coughs> we need a genuine plan. For me, that... <coughs> sorry. Uh, for me, that is young, technical players. Uh, West Ham pride themselves on always having these players that are able to play on the ball. Um, all these players with a real strong work ethic, players that are willing to give everything for the club, throw themselves around a bit, maybe end up doing some dirty work, but they are committed to the club. And that is the two things that we should really be looking to ensure that our players satisfy one of the two topics. Uh, under, you've got to be looking at young players because we need to be growing. Um, probably British players because of the uh, Brexit rules. It, it just helps because the if we were to get four or five young British players, if one of them reaches full potential and becomes like works their way into the England squad, suddenly they're going at crazy money and then we can fund the rest of the team. And you can grow on that kind of ideal and moving forward. Um, you can't grow if you buying players from all over the place, having to try and get them through visa stuff, which means that if they're getting the visa, the work permits, then they're already an exceptional player. So you're, playing, you're, you're paying for these players on a premium because they're already exceptional. You're probably trying to bid against other top teams, and it's very hard to always encourage those players to join. Um, So I would be looking at young, technical, uh, hard-working players um, unless you're really looking for a short-term plug or unless a player with real star quality in an area we think is going to be or we think is necessary for the club and fits it, not just, oh, we're after a striker, he is a striker, we will buy him, Uh, real star quality because... It's silly to turn someone down who's 27, who comes available, who really fits the way we want to play, just because they don't fit that mold. But they have to be an exception. With any kind of vision and uh, structure, there are going to be some odd years. So um, not every year you're going to be able to find the next Trevor Brooking. But if you focus on it, you give yourself a better chance of doing so. Um, so I would increase our on-the-ground scouting network, uh, especially in the UK. Uh, I think that you're getting a lot more players coming out of lower leagues at the moment um, that aren't being found or not necessarily realising their potential in their teens, but maybe in their early 20s. Um, so I'd like to see more of a fair focus on that area. And in uh, foreign countries, uh, not just relying on video because... There are always players that don't present necessarily the way that you want to in stats or uh, their team's struggling and they don't have that same uh, attention-grabbing uh, feature. So like uh, obviously, you're, it's easy to spot a pacey winger uh, if he's knocking it past people and running around and collecting. But less hard to always notice a resolute centre-back or someone who is just very good at controlling the game from that position. Um, but if you have people on the ground watching matches in those um, in those leagues or even talking to the play, play, uh, players and uh, officials of the clubs, you get a sense of who could be the next star. And If you get there ahead of people, that's when you either make a breakthrough or you make your money to help you make a breakthrough further on. Again, uh, Payet was around, People, everyone was aware of Dimitri Payet, but they weren't aware of how good he could be. Uh, Riyad Mahrez. So, well, not an unknown to a lot of uh, top clubs' uh, by all reports, but when he joined Leicester in that, that system with Vardy, they unlocked him, and they showed people how to do it. So these are the kind of players that, again, you can't do it every year, and I think that's an expectation that needs to be tempered but what you can do is put it in place to make it more likely to make it more of a make it more of a plan to get these players rather than just luck when they fall in and i think that under the current ownership structure at west ham we're going to be really struggling to do that the board would like to be involved and and I think that the sooner they realise they're not playing football manager and they can just sign good players and put them in I mean to be honest you can't even do that football manager anymore Um, so they are behind the times they are dragging the club to a point where it's very very turgid and resistant to any kind of change I think that we need to Well, hopefully they will be selling at the first opportunity once they can with the stadium deal. But they are really getting to a point where the transfer structure at West Ham needs a complete overhaul, not like a, you know, oh we'll sign a new scout. It needs a complete rethink from top to bottom and moving past the board involvement would be the clearest way of doing that. Now, I hope you've enjoyed listening to this uh, in-depth discussion. Uh, If you want to talk to me on Twitter, I'm at scottyj 24 Or if you want to contact the the rest of the team at Green Street Hammers, do so. Um, We're always happy to discuss these things. And if you want um, to suggest any more topics for deep dives on these kind of podcasts or the uh, quickfire stuff we usually do, let us know. Uh, Always happy to talk with you guys.